We're looking today just generally at the final three petitions in the Lord's Prayer. There are six. We've discovered that over the last few weeks. And the final section includes the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth. Now, we've looked so far at that opening, what we call invocation. When we, when we pray those words, Our Father, which, <coughs> which art in heaven. We are addressing our eternal creator. We are addressing the one in whose life he holds his life in, in his power and in his control. And we're saying he's our father. And we join together with all of the professing church of the Lord Jesus Christ right across this world today. And we can say he's our father. At that missionary conference, we're glad of even last night people represented from various places. And from all around, we can say this God is our God and he will be our guide uh, even unto death. The first petition that we pray is hallowed be thy name. And of course, that is a reference not to us. It's not our name that's important, brethren and sisters. It's not the name of the Free Presbyterian Church or any denomination that is important. It's the name of the Lord that is important. And we want his name to be hallowed, to be reverenced, to be honoured in this land in which we live in. And so when we pray that prayer, hallowed be thy name, we're praying that not only in our own hearts, but in the hearts of those that are round about us, that the name of the Lord will be revered. The second petition is, Thy kingdom come. We're glad of so many in the meeting today that by grace have come into the kingdom of God. And if you're a Christian today, you have a citizenship that is beyond the citizenship of earthly kingdoms and earthly domains. Isn't it wonderful to know that we have a passport that was given to us by God and grace to glory and heaven above. Beyond our earthly citizenship, we have a citizenship in glory and in this kingdom of grace. And it's through the kingdom of grace coming to hearts and lives that God is glorified. And we would pray that that kingdom will come to the hearts of multitudes and on along and in mourn and that he will be glorified thereby. And then the third petition, this most profound prayer that we've been praying. Now we prayed it over the past two weeks and there are Christians today and over the weekend and they're all troubled. And why are they all troubled? And they're all disturbed and they're all perturbed. And why are they all troubled, perturbed and disturbed? Because of an election. And I just want to say once again to you, we can't pray one week Thy will be done. And then argue with it the next week. And so whatever has happened up at Stormont. And whatever will happen up at Stormont. We just say. Thy will be done. And we leave it with the Lord. We leave it with him. This whole opening section. These opening three petitions. They have reference. They have reference to God. And to God alone. His glory. His kingdom. His will. Prayer is not just about our personal needs. We've listened to people over the years, and I, I know people in, in the extremities of their situation, they come into the presence of God, and it's just like a shopping list. Dear God, I need A, B, C, D, and when you've given to me that, I'll have others to add on to the list. But prayer is not as such. Prayer is not about you or I 
alone. It is about God. It is about the advancement of his kingdom of grace in this world. And these are the primary matters which have to be given pride of place when we come to pray. And so when you come to pray, either in private or in public, just put the brakes on for a little minute or two and think of what you're saying. Before you start to cry unto God for your own need, before you start to cry unto God for the church's need, for your relations need, whatever the need may be, remember that there is a process here. We're, we're praying, hallowed be thy name. We're praying, thy kingdom come. We're praying, thy will be done. And all of those great themes that are interwoven within that. And yet the Lord's prayer does teach us that the Lord is interested in us personally. That's a wonderful truth. And this second section contains three petitions which focuses again upon the personal needs of the child of God. Now, as we said a few weeks ago, there are some commentators, theologians say there are seven petitions in the Lord's Prayer instead of six. But <clears throat> I just go with the confession and the catechism and it says there are six. So I don't have to reinvent the wheel. I'll just stick with what we have. And there are good reasons for that. And if you want to know, we can discuss that afterwards. So in the first three petitions, although we include prayers for others in them, because if we're praying thy kingdom come, we are praying that others will be brought into the kingdom indirectly. Uh, we do not directly pray for ourselves. So we're halfway through this prayer and we haven't prayed for ourselves directly. It's not very wonderful. Uh, that's a real balance and a check and a balance to our own personal, as it were, importance. It's, <laughs> you and I are not all important. So here we're halfway through the prayer and it's only now when we reach the fourth petition that we start praying directly about our own personal needs and about our own personal issues. So before we look at these last three petitions, I thought today it would be good to look at them generally because they all concern our, our, our general well-being. So let's take a bird's eye view of them and then when I come back. So next Sunday we have the, the Spanish preachers. The following two Sundays uh, I'll be out in Kenya in the will of God. So we'll take this theme up again in the month of June. But we just do it consecutively so God willing it will be there up ahead. So we're setting the scene for up ahead. So these three petitions generally we can say they represent our greatest needs. Our greatest needs. All the greatest needs that you have they're all encapsulated in these final three petitions. It's as if all life is compressed into these few verses. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. So here we have covered our physical needs, our mental needs, our spiritual needs. The body is remembered, the soul is remembered, the spirit is remembered. Our, our, our needs are not merely temporal. I want to emphasize that to you. So of these last three petitions, there is one that concerns the temporal, the other two concern our spiritual needs. So I don't want you to think that the personal needs are all to do with the temporal needs. 
Uh, that's the great mistake many Christians make. When I bring my needs before the Lord, it's as if it's only the, the material needs that are the all-important thing. But that's not true, and that's not what the Word of God teaches us whatsoever. We also have spiritual needs. We also have eternal needs. And I know there's not one in this building today that has ignored uh, the, the physical needs of their family or of themselves individually. Up here in Mourn, we, 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 we know, we like to think, well, we not just think it, we know it, that families look after families and they look after each other. And, and if the Lord has taught us anything, then we, we know we do need to look after each other. But is that all there is? There are many parents and their sole objective is just for their children to get their GCSEs, get their A-levels, get their degree, get a good job. Is that all there is? At the end of the good job, at the end of all this, the success of life, is that all there is? So there is the, the temporal need. But above all of those other stuff, there is the spiritual need. And if we live here 70 years, maybe three score years and ten, and that, that, that's sort of a, an average figure. If we even get to that length, and all of our temporal needs are met, and we've ignored all of the spiritual needs, we will be where the writer was in the book of Ecclesiastes that we read about at the start of the meeting. We will find that all of life has been in vain. Now let me ask you today, is that what you're living for? You're just living for the here and now. You forgot about the hereafter. You're living for the building up the stuff and, and getting your children pushed on in life. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm, I'm not decrying that. As a parent, that's what I have done. As a grandparent, that's what I want to do. Yes, but we want to do more than that. Because our just, our, 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 our just little surger in this side of God's eternity, that's just the little bit that's concerned with the daily bread. All of the rest of it's concerned with what comes afterwards. Let's set our values again. God and providence has brought us to Ecclesiastes and all of these wonderful petitions just in his providential arrangements, even of the worship service. We need to emphasize the spiritual needs. We're able to bring before the Lord inclusively the need of food for our bodies. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread. Yes, we're praying about uh, the food for our bodies. But more than that, uh, when I was a child, I thought that was just the loaf on the table. But it's more than that. It was the salary that bought the loaf that put it on the table. It was the mortgage that paid for the roof over my head that had the table and the loaf on it. It was the health and strength to come to the table to enjoy it and to uh, participate at it. It was the family that sat around that table <coughs> that made it so important. So when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, I just want you to remember, it's all inclusive. It's not just that loaf that's on the table. And you know what your table requires might be different to mine. Your needs might, they are different to mine, and mine are different to you. But whatever the need is, we can say, Lord, this is a need. Give us this day our daily bread. Just remember, and teach the children, the daily bread concerns all of those needs that pertain to the physical journey of life. But then, also in these final petitions, we read about cleansing. 
Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In prayer, as we approach unto God, I think it's good for us to remember our debts. Our debts. Our transgressions of the law of God. There's not one of us who are miserable failures when we stand beside the law of God. As we look into the mirror of God's word and we see that reflection, what we see in our own hearts and we see in our own lives, the the wickedness of our hearts, the sinfulness of our hearts. We know we have debts. We know we have debts. We, we sang very deliberately this morning from Psalm number 24. If you've ever read through that psalm carefully, you'll notice there is progression in it. Psalm 24, let me read it to you. <clears throat> I will not take it from the metrical version. Psalm 24, 3 and 4. It says, Who shall ascend? Into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. If we were to measure our lives in the past week by those two verses alone, we realize we couldn't even take a step up the holy hill of Zion. We have debts. And that's why we need to pray. Forgive us. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our sins. Who is able to ascend up the holy hill of Zion but he that has clean hands and a pure heart? We cry out for cleansing. We're we're, we're thankful today there is cleansing in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we confess our sin, 1 John chapter 1 verse 7 to 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. It doesn't matter where you are in the journey. It doesn't matter what debts you owe. It's not the wonderful thing. As I said last night in Lisburn, if someone was to come into the meeting and was to say to you today, I will clear all of your debts, whatever your debts are. Think of them today, your debts. Maybe debts to a businessman. Maybe debts to the, the bank or the building society. Maybe debts on the car. Maybe debts on a loan. Whatever the debts are, it doesn't matter what they are, the credit card, whatever they are. If somebody came to you today and said, I'll clear your debts, you'd go out a very happy man or woman. But you should go out even happier. Because God says, I forgive you your sins. We need to confess our sin and seek forgiveness. And there is perfect present cleansing in the blood of the Lamb. The need for guidance is also highlighted here. We need constant guidance from the Lord. Lead us. It's not a wonderful prayer, just lead us. Lead us individually, lead us as a congregation, lead us as a, as a nation. Our nation has forgotten Uh, To seek the face of God and to inquire at the face of God for for God to lead them. Those who are in the corridors of power today don't call days of prayer and fasting. That's, That's a forgotten thing. But you and I still, as the people of God, we just come humbly before the Lord and we pray, Lord, lead us. Lead us day by day. Guidance, the constant need of guidance is something that the child of God should always emphasize. We have our Kenyan brethren with us and they remind 
They've just reminded me so much of, of my time in Kenya, even talking with them up in the months. In Kenya, someone was going for, on a journey. They always came to the Sunday, Sunday service and they would have said, I want you to pray for us at the Sunday service. We're going on a journey because they knew how dangerous the journey would be in Kenya where hundreds of people are killed on the roads every year. Pray for us. And somebody would publicly have prayed for them in the service. So it was done. There's very few in Ulster over the years that I have been here or in Carrick Fergus ever came to me and said, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm going on a journey. But we need to pray. Lead us. We need to pray. Guide us. We need to pray. Lord, direct us. We'll go again to Psalm 25. Verse 4 and 5, show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths. It doesn't matter the pathway that you're traveling. We've all traveled on very different pathways on the journey of life. And some of you from on alone are going to go on a different pathway that your fathers took or your grandparents took. And God led you in a different path. It doesn't matter the pathway as long as God's leading you on it. Don't be afraid to go on the pathway that God leads you and God guides you. And how does he guide you? Lead me in thy truth. How does he lead you? Lead me in thy truth. I was showing Patrice and, and Andrew this morning the map of Northern Ireland uh, uh, and all the places that they've visited and, and then the places that they've yet to visit. And I was trying to trace on the map for them where they were going to go. And that's what God does in his word for you and I. He leads us in the truth. Now, you'll not be led unless you're looking at the map. And what's the map of life? It's the truth of God. Get into it, dear brother and sister, and God will lead you and guide you. And it might just surprise you, even where you are in the journey of life, as up to date, where he might take you. Lead me in the truth. So these second three petitions, they reveal our greatest needs, are the need for our bodies, the need for forgiveness, the, the need even for guidance. But they also reveal our greatest weaknesses, secondly. When we pray this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, what does it remind us of? I don't have bread in store for tomorrow. I need it for today. Modern man thinks to, likes to think that he's self-sufficient, that he's like that rich man of old. You remember the rich farmer in Luke's Gospel? He, he laid up in store for himself for years to come and he said, I'm going to have such a, a rich and abundant harvest. I'm going to build bigger stores. I'm going to bigger and better and bolder. Uh, I'm going to do all those things. But he didn't factor into the equation that God was going to call his soul that night. We're dependent upon the Lord every day. We're dependent upon God to supply our needs every day. The bread we have on the table today and all that is factored into that. When you partake of it at lunchtime, just remind yourself, God gave it to you. I hope you stop to pray for your food. Well, not pray for your food, but thank God for your food. I've been in homes in other parts of the world where they not only prayed before the meal, they prayed after the meal. Very humbling to be in such company. We're reminded of our daily dependence upon God. When we pray for forgiveness of our debts, we're reminded of the battle of sin within. We're in a battle. 
We're in a battle with sin. The greatest of Christians have, have acknowledged that, that battle within. Go with me just for a moment or two, please, to Romans chapter 7. Here's the great apostle Paul. The greatest missionary of the Christian church. And we read here in Romans chapter 7 and verse 18. This is his testimony. You know, when we get people along to testify, we, we want... We want them to tell us some great, as it were, motivational story. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant and reluctant at times even to ask people to testify because I know that's what some congregations want. But here's Paul and he's testifying and this is his testimony. And what does he say? Romans 7 verse 18. I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Imagine we're getting someone up to testify in the meeting. <clears throat> and this is their testimony. They're standing before you and they're saying, In me there's no good thing. That's exactly what Paul did all of those years ago. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. What a battle. We feel that others have let us down and grieved us. And, and yes, that's par for life. But oh, do you not feel it, brother and sister, when you let the Lord down and grieve him? We're taught to pray for guidance as we're, lead us, lead us. We're, we're, we're taught something very profound here. We're taught how easily we go astray. Lead us. Do you know why we need to be led? Because we're like sheep. We're just like sheep that constantly go astray. You have that opening in, in the ditch or in the hedge for that field of sheep. They'll find their way out of it. And not only will one get out of the field, but there'll be others follow them out of the field. Sheep being led by sheep going astray. And that's what many Christians are like. That's what we're all like. That's why we need to pray. Guide us. Because we go astray so quickly. When we pray for deliverance, as we're taught in, but deliver us from evil, we're, we're taught here that none of us are a match for Satan. If God doesn't deliver us, who will deliver us? In my mind this weekend, I've, I've had that picture of Jonah in the belly of the whale. He couldn't deliver himself. Remember salvation, deliverance, they're, they're all the same idea. He couldn't deliver himself. The Lord had to do it. And we need to pray, Lord, every day deliver me from my own sinful heart and from the wickedness that is round about me. That's what we're generally praying. We're praying not only about our greatest needs, we're praying about our greatest weaknesses. Then finally, we're praying, if we pray these petitions, we're praying about the greatness of God. He... He is our Father, and we may call upon him. He never closed his ear to the cry of his own children. You and I couldn't say that. I couldn't say it honestly as a parent, that I've never closed my ear to the cry of my own children. Sometimes I've been so preoccupied. Sometimes I've been doing other things. Sometimes I've been far away. Sometimes I've been out of contact. But God has never turned His child away. First Peter 3 and 12 is an amazing verse. 
It says, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. But let's conclude it. It says, his ears are open unto their prayers. How great is God? Sometimes people send me prayer requests and, you know, unless I write them down, I'll never remember them. And I'll, I'll get prayer requests in from here and there and I'll try to collect them and put them all together. I can't say honestly before the Lord that I've been able to do it all. I haven't been able to do it all. But the Lord's ears are open. It's very humbling to me. And I think to the most of the people of God here today, if not all, to think that God has a personal interest in us. There's, there's no event too small, too insignificant that he doesn't take no dust off. Maybe you think today it'd be silly even to talk to God about that. It'd be silly even to, to, to raise such a thing. Well, let me show you just how far off the mark you are in such thinking. Verse 8, Matthew 6 and verse 8. Your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Before ye even ask him. He knows the things you really need. The bread on the table. It doesn't matter how small the loaf is. You know the loaf that you use, it gets smaller as the journey of life goes on. You know that. Used to be a big family loaf you got. Now we're looking for a small loaf. And then you're looking to maybe downsize that loaf further because you're never going to use it all anyway. But it's n there's no loaf so insignificant that he doesn't know about. We talk here about debts. Forgive us our debts. Sometimes when people fall into debt, <coughs> others wash their hands off them. We've seen that. We've seen that over the years. Some family member falls into debt and he goes looking for help. And people, no, we don't want to know. We, we, we're too many, we're too many concerns of ourselves without helping you. But God never turns his back on us. When we sin, when we fail, when we go into debt, when we confess it, he forgives us. He delights in mercy. He's leading. He's daily guiding us through this scene of time. My favourite verse, for many different reasons, concerning guidance is Psalm 32 and verse 8. It says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. God can and God does meet us at the point of our need. You're in this meeting today and I don't know your need. And the people that are sitting beside you don't know your need. But the one whom you are before Almighty God, he knows your need. And in his great grace and goodness... He alone can meet it. Physically, spiritually, all of these points, they're all covered 
in these final three petitions in the Lord's Prayer. And we look forward over the weeks that lie ahead to unfolding them one by one with you. We'll close with a few verses, please, over.